so today we're going to continue, we're going to conclude our series on if, Romans chapter 8, looking at how God impacts and how God dictates and changes all the if situations in our lives. Uh, and what we're looking at today are those situations where you're looking into it just knowing, like, this is going to be bad. This just looks bad from the outset. Where is God if we're walking into one of those situations? And I think back to, uh, back to this summer. Uh, we were in Uganda, Africa. We were doing some crusades there with a bunch of churches. And the plan always was for each one of these situations is that there would be local churches who lead worship there. They did it about 45 minutes. So after 45 minutes, some of our people, uh, the Mzungus, as we were called, uh, they would come up on stage and they'd share about five minutes about what God has done in their life. And then I get up and preach. In planning this, they asked me, do you want to sing a song? I'm like, no. No, we do not sing songs. We will listen. We will sing along with everything. We will woman, one million percent participate. But you don't want this voice coming out of a microphone singing. Like that is just no bueno or whatever no bueno it means in Swahili. That's not it. So first one goes exactly according to plan. Second one, uh, the first church is up. They're, they go for about half an hour. And then the MC gets on. And he says, now our friends from the U.S. are going to come sing. And everybody looks at me. And I say, we're going to go. So I start walking up to the stage, and they're like, what are we going to sing? I don't know. We have 75 feet to figure it out. We're going to use all 75 of those feet. And so we're walking up. <clears throat> I'm in the front uh, because if anybody's going to look like an idiot, it's going to be me. Uh, the rest of the team behind me. And so I say, okay, we're going to sing Lighthouse by Wren Collective because we can make it really short, and we know enough of the words. That will just kind of hem and haw during the parts that we don't know. So we got up there, and we made it as short as possible. We sang the first verse, we went to the chorus, went to the bridge, did the chorus, and also there was clapping involved, so that was really good. Anything to drown out the voices was good. And we finished that song, and we got off the stage as fast as possible for two reasons. One, we didn't want to sing another song. They asked us, do you have another song? He said, no, you got one, and that was one more than we expected. And also, we were really nervous that the stage was not going to hold all nine of us. Like, it looked really nice from a distance. Not really good when you're looking at it and you're standing on cardboard. That part is also not good. But it was really funny because we made it abundantly clear time and time again. We're not singing. We're not singing. We're not singing. Now you're going to sing. I'm like, all right, great. What are we going to do? And there are moments like that in a darker sense in all of our lives where we are walking into something that we do not know how we're going to walk out. We don't know what's going to happen in the meantime. We don't know what the song is that we're going to be singing when we're all on stage and we've got 300 people looking at us expecting us to sing. We don't know. And so what we're going to conclude our IF series with today is looking at the IF, what happens if everything falls out the bottom? What happens in those moments in our lives where we are looking at a dark future and we don't know what's going to go on? Where is God in the middle of this? Because God didn't just come for the moments in our lives where everything is great. That doesn't take faith when everything is amazing. God says, I'm going to be with you even in the parts where it's difficult, even in the parts where there's a struggle. John 16, Jesus in his last moments with his disciples, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. And he came so that in the trouble, in the good times, in every single time, we have a God that we can depend on, that we trust, that loves us, and will see us through every single situation. So if you've got your Bibles, if you've got your app, go to Romans 8.33. And this is Paul's closing argument. He's asking four questions as a way of solidifying his case. These are his last words. This is his drop the mic moment. And so he says this in Romans 8.33. He says, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. 
He's saying God has justified you. God has made you right. God looks at you now because of the work of Jesus, and instead of seeing the sin and all the stuff that we bring into the the equation, God looks at each and every one of us who are Christians and sees the perfect work of Jesus on our behalf. He's saying that any accusation that's held against any of us is going to crumble in light of Jesus' obedience and perfection and our accepting of that, our acceptance of that. Can anyone accuse you? No, no one. Next question. It says, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. And then Paul answers these questions of who's going to condemn us, who's going to find us guilty, and he answers these with his closing argument. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us when we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or are destitute or are in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced He's not saying, I think. He's not saying the evidence leads me to think. He says, I am convinced that, neither, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation, just in case you missed anything, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. For us, experience and living in God's love equips us for life. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. We've been looking at if, and in this situation, it's really easy to see, well, yeah, of course, that's good for other people, but what if somebody's in my situation? And what the Apostle Paul, the guy who's writing this, says is, I'm going to make it abundantly clear that living in God's love, understanding who we are as sons and daughters, chosen, forgiven, known before the creation of the world, that it equips us for living in God's love. It equips us for living life. The only thing that we have to fear, it says here, is separation from God's love. And Paul knew this. He experienced hardship. He experienced separation. He experienced loneliness. He experienced persecution. He experienced all these things. And he knew that through everything that God's love was what would make the difference. And I want to stop right there. That the idea that God's love is going to make the difference is something that we twist really quickly and really easily. John 3.16, it's a popular verse among Christians. It said, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him won't die but will have eternal life. There's so much in that love. It's a love that sees our separation from God, that sends Jesus in the middle of it to be the bridge between a holy God and an unholy people, that it's love that motivates that. And then you look into our own lives and the things that we say, and on Wednesday I had some enchiladas because I love enchiladas. It's not the same love. So what we need to look at when Jesus love, when we talk about God's love is how God's love is completely different from our love. Because we look at situations, look at the way that people talk, and people will say that love is going to conquer everything, that love is going to make the biggest difference. And well, if God loves me, then God's going to accept me for who I am because that's our understanding of love. And that is the last thing that God does. God doesn't Hear me out on this, okay, before you send the angry email. God doesn't accept us where we are. He picks us up from where we are and accepts us as he's making us more like him. Every interaction, every time you see Jesus bring 
healing, bring holiness, bring acceptance into somebody's life. There's never the understanding in the Bible that they're just going to stay doing their same old, broken down, beat up thing. He's saying, I'm giving you a new life. It's like you're getting out of your grave and walking into a new life. So get, like, get out of the box. Get out of your own casket. I've got a new life for you. And so when we look at love, when we look at God's love for us, it's not just an accept me where I am love. With Jesus, it's totally different. God's love revealed in Jesus is holiness multiplied by hunger. It's holiness multiplied by hunger. When we think about God as the most defining thing in our life, if we think that God is against us, that God is mad at us for something that we've done or something has been done to us, if we think that God is living in opposition to us, then that's going to change, that's going to have its light on every decision that we make. But if we look at our lives as people who have been separated from God and then God brought us closer to him by the work of Jesus and God is working in us and making us like him like we sang a couple minutes ago, then that's going to change everything. God is holy and radically in love with all of us. And he uses both of those things together. What he doesn't do is he doesn't pause his holiness and accept us as we are sin and all and let us continue to sin. This doesn't mean that when we sin, God's like, you're out until you get it right. No, we're still his sons. We're still his daughters. He loves us. And he gives us the opportunity within our lives to get stuff right. Why? Because he's really, really loving. He wants a relationship with us. And he's also really, really holy, which means that, that, that purity and, and sinlessness is what's going to bring us to God. And none of us have that on our own. We have that because of Jesus. The Christian life is not a look at me and everything I've accomplished life. It is a seven billion way tie for last place as we lift Jesus up above every part of our life. And so when we look at God's love revealed in Jesus, we see that God won't be downgraded into our low definition understanding of love. Saying it's going to be all holy all the time and at the same time, he's recklessly in love and chasing after us. And so how does God bridge the perfect holy and the perfect love for us? He does that through Jesus, who embodies both of them perfectly, who's more loving than any of us ever could be, and also more holy than any of us ever could be. That God shows off what he means by this in sending Jesus, who showed love to people that nobody else was showing love to, who called the, the, the uptight, I'm doing this all by my own power. He called those people out of their uptight religiosityness into humility and into a relationship. And for the people who say, I'm broken, I'm far beyond repair, he called those people out of their darkness and into relationship. And he did all of this with perfect holiness. God used his holiness and his hunger together to bring us into relationship with him. And so when we look at God's love, that, that's what we're talking about here. What he did was he, he gave up his position. He gave up his position as God to come and live like us. And so when we read verse 39, we, talk, we look at uh, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It totally changes things when we looked at what Jesus did for us. Because Jesus didn't stay up in heaven and say, okay, eventually you guys are going to get it right. Eventually, this situation where you're actually having a hard time, you give your life to me and everything's going to be perfect from here on out. We think that it's this white glove lifestyle where once we put these on, we're never going to touch anything dirty again and life is never going to have any bumps to it. 
And Jesus says, no, no, something totally different. Romans 8.33 or Romans 8, 33 to 39, what we're looking at today, says it's going to be totally different. I mean, Paul lists off all those things. I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, angels, demons, fears for today, worries about tomorrow. That's a lot of bad stuff in there. Saying instead of a white glove lifestyle, I have something a little bit better for you. It's more like this. It's a helmet. Why do you wear a helmet? You wear a helmet if you're going into something that's going to get hurt. You're going into something that could be dangerous. You're going into something that could end badly. But you wear a helmet so it doesn't. With God, what he's saying is my love for you is going to be like that helmet. Because with the helmet on, you can do things that you never could do otherwise or never should do otherwise. But you bring me into the equation, and I'm going to walk with you through all this. Because like a helmet, God's love protects us from any attack or hardship. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. People wear helmets because there's no, they know there's eventually going to be a point in their life where they need a helmet. I mean, Paul writes the word hardship, and he's back on the Mediterranean Sea. He's just been shipwrecked. He's with a group of prisoners, and they're not sure if they're ever going to see daylight again. They're holding on to parts of the boat. You can read about this in Acts 28. His life almost ended right there. He reads, let's see, he writes persecution. And I think about one of my favorite stories in the Bible, one of my favorite verses is Paul goes into this city called Lystra and he's telling people about who Jesus is and his love for them. And there's a group of leaders who come and they drag Paul and his companion outside town and they stone him, which isn't what you, you celebrate on 420. It's where you take rocks and you throw them at the people's heads until they stop breathing. And they did that to Paul, and the people thought that he was dead, and so they walked back into town, and, and Paul came too. And instead of running to the next city where it's going to be safe, he puts his helmet on, and Acts 13 says that he walks back into the city to continue to tell people about Jesus. I mean, you write about, Paul writes about trials, and we look at the times when he went out, when he went out with food, when he went without food, when he got bit by poisonous snakes, when he had the clothes stripped off of his back, so you could be whipped over the course of his life, whipped with a, with a whip that had glass and bone on the end of it so that the tentacles would grab his skin and then rip off his skin as a punishment for talking about Jesus. This happened to him 195 times. I mean, this guy understood hardship. This guy understood that God's love is going to be like a helmet that follows us into every situation, that leads us into every situation, that protects us into every situation. Acts 20, Paul's meeting with leaders of the church in Ephesus. It's one of the most encouraging passages about Paul's life because he says, in light of all of these things, it's all one million percent worth it. He says this in Acts 20, 22. He says, now I'm bound by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. That's one heck of a motivational speech. Follow me, I'm going to jail. Pray for me, it's going to be bad, and I probably won't see you again. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And when we look at God's love as a helmet that protects us, that, that nothing can separate us, that it's revealed in Jesus who loves us and suffered for us so that we could be made right with God. It's not just a flimsy love. It's not a weak love. It's a strong love. It's a love that's been beaten down, a love that, that has weathered time and weathered hard time and good time. Sean Sindhu is going to come up right now uh, because Sean is like, come on, uh, he's like a lot of people in our church uh, who life has been rough sometimes. And for all of those times, 
What God does is he continues to show up and continues to reveal to each and every one of us in ways that are specific to us, that we matter, that he's got a plan for us. And just as the area and the, the, uh, the weather outside of where we are, the terrain outside of where we are might be rough, uh, there's a helmet of God's love that's going to protect us through anything. So let's listen to Sean's story. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's so good. I'm not preaching. I just want to share one thing. But God with you, who's guest you? Nobody. Doesn't matter what happened. What you're going through. What's going to be happen. God knows everything. God say, I know how much hair you have. He count all the hair. What you're going to hiding from God? Nothing. I'm having a little short testimony. You know, I came from New York when I'm 18. I grew up in New York City. God touched me, bring me to California. I came to Christian 25 years ago. But God's good all the time. But holding God like so strong, doesn't matter what happened to my life. I preached the gospel more than a million people around the world. Go to China, Philippines, India couple hundred thousand people coming in the meeting. The Satan so bad plan because he said, this guy's doing so much, let him to store. 2011, I had the big accident. My spinal cord breaking. The doctor said, I'm going to be paralyzed. No more work. I'm falling down the parking lot. When I'm falling down the parking lot, the ambulance come pick me up. Next day, I have surgery. The doctor did surgery. He said, I don't know you're going to come off life. You're going to be die inside the hospital. You know what I tell him? I say, my God's very big. You are the limited doctor, but my doctors have no limit. He have the unlimited doctor. When I have 15-hour surgery, I came back. I've been set free. Healing, God gave me brand new spinal cord. Same God I'm serving. When I, two days later, my ex, I see the attorneys, that one serving the paper. He said, I'm filing the divorce. I don't want to be lived with the paralyzed man. See, God had planned for me. I grew up in New York City, came to New York, Sacramento, almost 20 years. It's nothing. Bring me to Middleton, Fresno. But God have everybody each purpose. Brothers and sisters, never Never give up. Money come, money go. One day I'm a millionaire, but God's going to bring back again everything. Satan has paid you seven times back to you. And God bless you. God so loved the world. When Job see Job have the problem, so much he have. Satan said, why you give him everything this way he serve you? See, doesn't matter what happened to my life. I don't have money, nothing have, but I'm still going to serve him. But he gave me the brand new spinal cord. I can lift 350 pounds weight. You know why? Because my living God, I'm serving the living God. That's way, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Sean. And Sean's not the only one in this room that's lived that. You know, we can go around and have example after example of the way that the world outside crashed down on us. But God's our helmet. He's the love uh, revealed in Jesus. 
who protects us, who forgives us, and who gives us a new life and, and enables, encourages us and empowers us to walk through all that. So God's love, it protects us from any attack or hardship. It also propels us to bring the light of Jesus into any darkness imaginable. It propels us, propels us to bring the light of Jesus into any darkness imaginable, no ifs, ands, or buts. So this love of God, this protection that's like a helmet that's going to walk us through every situation isn't just there to keep us living in safety. I think these questions that Paul asks through this chapter, can anything separate us? Can anyone accuse us? Can anyone condemn us? Does it mean that God no longer loves us if all these things happen? They aren't just meant to keep us bound in safety and fear and living under God's protection. It's also meant to arm us to go out and live a life that's going to make Jesus look good in everything that we do and everywhere that we go. And the questions have two purposes. One is to remind us of who God is, but there's also to silence any doubt about who we are to God. Who we are to God. Each and every one of us, regardless of the the damage that we bring into the relationship, we say yes to Jesus. We're not second-class citizens. We're not just servants. We're not just people who hang out and try. We are loved sons and daughters of our King. And that's the way that God looks at us from the beginning. We don't get to that. We don't achieve that. We start there, and we never leave there. Can anything separate us? Well, God, what if I have a bad week? What if that thing that you saved me from, that you know you're telling me all the time I shouldn't do that anymore, what if that comes back? God says my love's still there. What if my temper, what if my addiction, what if my substance, all these things, God, that you tell me that I shouldn't do, what if those happen again? God says my love's still there. Through thing after thing after thing. We're not just equipped for a life of comfort. We're equipped and we're sent out for risk-taking obedience and scandalous mercy and grace. Just like we were shown, now we're equipped to show that to everyone around us. I look at this and I, I think of Paul. How does he come up with these stories? How does he come up with these examples? It's because he's living life for Jesus, telling other people about the work that God has done in him. And I look at us, I look at our church, and I see opportunity, opportunity after opportunity. And the way that God wants to lead us into that, to be a church that makes Jesus look good in everything, because we're going to take the love of God, which has absolutely changed everything for us, and let our lives be, be projectors of that to everything around us. So God reminds us, God tells us, and Paul closes with this. Can anything condemn us? No, because we're saved sons and daughters of God that he loves and that he's empowering for witness. Can anything separate us? No, because the love of God is going to equip us like a helmet to go through us, to go with us in every situation, not just so that we can get work done for him, but because he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. Let's stand and pray. So, Father, I thank you that you're big in every situation of our life. I thank you that your power is made perfect in our weakness. I thank you that salvation, that life with you is a helmet. That's something that, uh, that we put on then that we can walk through anything with, knowing that not only do you protect us, but you also empower us and you propel us. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to ask Jesus in your life, to ask him to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you from the inside of you to the outside of you, to change who you are, I want to give you that chance today. 
You're not saying you're perfect. You're agreeing with every other Jesus follower in here that we're sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. And I'm going to count to three, and when I say three, if you're here and you've never made that decision before, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand. And as we end today, someone's going to pray with you, and it's going to be the best decision you could ever make. So one, God loves you. Always has, always will. God flat out loves you, and today he's calling you to follow him. Two, there are things in all of our lives, my life included, where we say, God, get out of here. I'm doing this my way. That's called sin, and Jesus came to pay the penalty for our sin because we couldn't pay it. And three, today's your day to say yes to that. Today's your day to say to receive forgiveness and find a new life with Jesus. Is there anyone like that here today? Or today's your day to say yes. Just look at me and raise your hand. All right, second thing, or the last thing is we're gonna have our prayer ushers on the sides now for this next song. Because in this room, there are a lot of us who need God's protection as we're walking through a hardship or an attack. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's part of being alive. That's part of being a Christian. And what God wants you to know today is that he's here. That where you need protection, that God's here. And if you're in a situation where it's not an, not an area of protection as much as, as being projected, being propelled out to be the light of Jesus in a dark place, we want to pray for that also. Because God's love is going to do both things. It's going to protect. It's going to propel. And so let's respond to that as the need is in our life. Come up, uh, grab a pressure, and we'd love to pray for you today.